if you are listening to this around the time of the podcast release, then it's August 2021. In 116 years, the year will be 2137. What will the planet be like then? Who knows? A lot would have happened. New history would have been written, and people would have to wonder what 2021 was really like. Or look at it another way. 116 years ago was the year 1905. Seems like a world away. The Russo-Japanese War that had started the year prior ended. The first of the three Russian revolutions were in 1905. Albert Einstein submitted for publication his paper on a heuristic viewpoint concerning the production and transformation of light. In India, the 1905 Kangra earthquake hits the Kangra Valley, killed 20,000 people and destroyed most buildings in the district. The Wright brothers' third airplane stays in the air for 39 minutes, with Wilbur piloting the first airplane flight lasting about half an hour. It was a world where Nicholas II, Tsar of Russia, may have thought he'd seen off a revolution only to discover he would be embroiled in a world war and then lose the regime 12 years later. The USSR was yet to be created and destroyed. No Cold War had happened. No World War or World War II had happened. No stock markets had crashed. No decolonization had happened. There was no pop culture, no COVID-19, no smartphones, no internet, no electric cars, no cryptocurrency, no one in space. It was a different world that we see years a long time ago. Just like future listeners may see 2021 as a long time ago. The Hundred Years' War that technically spanned 116 years lasted between 1337 and 1453. The time span was just the same as 1905 on one side of 2021 and 2137 on the other. It saw six French kings and six English kings. Oh, and did I mention it was fought between the English and the French? Who else? On the French side, Philip VI, John II, Charles V, Charles VI, and Charles VII. On the English side, Richard III, Richard II, Henry IV, Henry V, and Henry VI. The outbreak of the war was motivated by a gradual rise in tension between the kings of France and England over territory. The official pretext was the question that arose because of the interruption of a direct male line to the French crown. Tensions, though, between the French and the English had gone back centuries to the origins of the English royal family, which was actually French, Norman French, in origin because the English monarchs had been created out of the William the Conqueror invasion of England in 1066, and he was William of Normandy. Normandy is in France. English monarchs had thus historically held titles and lands inside of France, which made them technically vassals to the kings of France. French monarchs routinely sought to check the growth of English power, stripping away lands as the opportunity arose, especially whenever England was at war with Scotland, who was an ally of France. In 1328, Charles IV of France died without sons or brothers, and a new principle disallowed female succession. 
Charles's closest male relative was his nephew Edward III of England, whose mother, Isabella of France, was Charles's sister. Isabella claimed the throne of France for her son by the rule of proximity to blood, but the French nobility rejected this, maintaining that Isabella could not transmit a right she did not possess. An association of French barons ruled that a native Frenchman should be given the crown rather than Edward III of England. So the throne passed instead to Charles's paternal cousin, Philip, Count of Valois. Edward protested, but ultimately submitted and did homage for Gascony, which was English. French disagreements with Edward induced Philip during May 1337 to meet with his great council in Paris. It was agreed that Gascony should be brought back into Philip's hands, which prompted Edward to renew his claim, his own claim, to the French throne, and this time by force of arms. There were three distinct phases of conflict during the Hundred Years' War. The first was the Edwardian phase, the second was the Carillon phase, and the third was the Lancastrian phase. As I've mentioned before, because of the Norman invasion of England, the crown of England was held by a succession of nobles who already owned lands in France, which put them among the most powerful subjects of the French king, as they could now draw upon economic power of England to enforce their interests on the mainland. To the kings of France, this dangerously threatened their royal authority, and so they would constantly try to undermine English rule in France, while the English monarchs would struggle to protect and expand those lands. This was the root cause of the brewing tension and conflict. By the end of April 1337, Philip of France was invited to meet the delegation from England, but he refused to meet with them. Although Edward made the claim to the throne, any claim was considered invalidated by Edward's homage to Philip VI in 1329. Edward then revived his claim in 1340, formally assuming the right King of France as a title and the French royal arms, thus provoking the French. On the 22nd of June 1340, Edward and his fleet sailed from England and the next day arrived off the Zwayne estuary. The French fleet assumed a defensive formation off the port of Solis. The English fleet deceived the French into believing they were withdrawing. When the wind turned in the late afternoon, the English attacked. With the wind and the sun behind them, the French fleet was almost completely destroyed in what became known as the Battle of Silius. England dominated the English Channel for the rest of the war, preventing French invasions. At this point, Edward's funds ran out and the war probably would have ended were it not for the death of the Duke of Brittany in 1341, precipitating a succession dispute between the Duke's half-brother John of Montford and Charles de Blois, nephew of Philip VI. The English-backed Montford finally succeeded in taking the duchy, but not until 1364. In July 1346, Edward mounted a major invasion across the Channel, landing in Normandy's coast, the English army captured the city of Caen and, in just one day, surprised the French. Philip mustered a large army to oppose Edward, who chose to march towards the Low Countries, pillaging as he went. The Battle of Crecy of 1346 was a complete disaster for the French, largely credited to the Longbowmen and the French king, who allowed his army to attack before it was ready. 
Philip appealed to his Scottish allies to help with a divisionary attack on England. David II of Scotland responded by invading northern England, but his army was defeated and he was captured at the Battle of Neville's Cross in October 1346. This greatly reduced the threat from Scotland. In France, Edward proceeded north, unopposed, and besieged the city of Calais on the English Channel, capturing it in 1347. This became an important strategic asset for the English, allowing them to keep troops safely in northern France. Then came the Black Death. This Black Death, which had just arrived in Paris in 1348, began to ravage Europe. In 1355, after the plague had passed and England was able to recover financially, Edward's son and namesake the Prince of Wales, also known as the Black Prince, led a mounted raid from Gascony into France, during which he pillaged and looted and plundered multiple French towns. In fact, he did so well, he decided to do more pillaging the following year. Ultimately, he offered terms of peace to King John II of France known, by the way, as John the Good, who had outflanked him, but refused to surrender himself to the price of their acceptance. This led to the Battle of Politiers, and I'm pronouncing that wrong, where the Black Prince's army routed the French. The Black Prince invaded France for the third and last time, hoping to capitalize on the discontent in France and seize the throne. The Dauphin's strategy was that of non-engagement with the English army in, in the field. However, the Black Prince wanted the crown and chose the cathedral city of Reims for his coronation. This was a traditional coronation city. However, the citizens of Reims built and reinforced the city's defences before Edward as an, and his army arrived. Edward besieged the city for five weeks, but the defences held and there was no coronation. Edward moved on to Paris, but retreated after a few skirmishes in the suburbs. Disaster, however, struck in a freak hailstorm on the encamped army, causing over 1,000 English deaths. That's the so-called Black Monday at Easter 1360. This devastated Edward's army and forced him to negotiate when he approached by the French. A conference was held that resulted in the Treaty of Bretigny in 1360, the treaty was ratified at Calais in October. In return for increased lands in Aquitaine, Edward renounced Normandy, Touraine, and Anjou, and Maine, and consented to reduce King John's ransom by a million crowns. Edward also abandoned his claim to the crown of France. I know I butchered those French names. Anyhow, during the nine years of peace, 1360-1369, the French king, John II, had been held captive in England. Why? Because the treaty set his ransom at three million crowns and allowed for hostages to be held in lieu of John. The hostages included his two sons, several princes and nobles, four inhabitants of Paris, and two citizens from each of the 19 principal towns of France. While these hostages were held, John returned to France to try and raise some funds to pay the ransom. In 1362, John's son, Louis, a hostage in English-held Calais, escaped captivity. So, with his standing hostage gone, John felt honour-bound to return to captivity in England. The French crown had been at odds with Navarre near southern Gascony since 1354, and in 1363, the Navarrese used the captivity of John II, who was stuck in London, and the political weakness of the Dauphin to try and seize power. 
Although there was no formal treaty, Edward III supported the Navarrese moves, particularly as there was a prospect that he might gain control over the northern and western provinces as a consequence. Edward actually deliberately slowed the pace of negotiations. In 1364, John II died in London while still in honourable captivity. Charles V succeeded him as King of France. On the 16th of May, a month after his accession to the throne and three days before his coronation as Charles V, the Navarrese suffered a crushing defeat at a battle. In 1366, there was a civil war in succession in Castile, which is part of modern Spain. The forces of the ruler Peter of Castile were pitched against those of his half-brother Henry. The English crown supported Peter, the French supported Henry. Peter appealed to England and the Black Prince for help, but none was forthcoming, forcing Peter into exile. Charles V summoned one Gascon lord and the Black Prince to hear the case in his high court in Paris. The Black Prince answered that he would go to Paris with 60,000 men behind him. War broke out again and Edward III resumed the title King of France. Charles V declared that all the English possessions in France were now fortified and before the end of 1369, all of Aquitaine was in full revolt. By August 1373, John of Gaunt, accompanied by John de Montfort, Duke of Brittany, led a force of 9,000 men from Calais on a mounted cavalry chase. While initially successful, as French forces were insufficiently concentrated to oppose them, the English met more resistance as they moved south. English forces began to concentrate around the English, sorry, French forces began to concentrate around the English force, but under orders from Charles V, the French avoided a set battle. The French shadowed the English, and in October, the English found themselves trapped against the river Allier by four French forces. With some difficulty, the English crossed the bridge at Malone, but lost all their baggage and loot. The English carried on south, across the Limousine Plateau, but the weather was turning severe. Men and horses died in great numbers, and many soldiers were forced to march on foot. They threw away their armour. At the beginning of December, the English army entered friendly territory in Gascony. By the end of December, they were in Bordeaux, starving, ill-equipped, and having lost over half of the 30,000 horses with which they had left Calais. Although the march across France had been a remarkable feat, it was a military failure. With his health deteriorating, the Black Prince returned to England in January 1371, where his father, Edward III himself, was elderly and in poor health. The prince's illness was deliberating, and he died on the 8th of June 1376. Edward III died the following year on the 21st of June 1377 and was succeeded by the Black Prince's second son, Richard II, who was still a child of 10, as his first son had died sometime earlier. Although Edward III had left England with large holdings in France, a small professional French army pushed the English back. By the time Charles V died in 1380, the English held only Calais and a few other ports. After the death of Charles V in 1380, France lost its main leadership and overall momentum in the war. Charles VI succeeded his father as King of France at the age of 11 and was thus put under a regency led by his uncles who managed to maintain an effective grip on government affairs until about 1388, well after Charles had achieved royal majority. With France facing widespread destruction, plague and economic recession, high taxation put a heavy burden on the French peasantry and urban communities. 
the war effect, effort against the English largely depended on royal taxation, but the population was increasingly unwilling to pay for it, as it would be demonstrated at the Hall and Matonian revolts in 1382. Charles V had abolished many of these taxes on his deathbed, but subsequent attempts to reinstate them stirred up hostility between the French government and the population. The war had become increasingly unpopular with the English public too, due to the high taxes needed for the war effort. These taxes were seen as one of the reasons for the Peasants' Revolt. Richard II's own indifference to the war, together with his preferential treatment of a select few close friends and advisers, angered an alliance of lords that included one of his uncles. In 1399, after John of Gaunt died, Richard II disinherited Gaunt's son, the exiled Henry of Bloinbroke. Bloinbroke returned to England with his supporters, deposed Richard, and had himself crowned as Henry IV. In 1392, Charles VI suddenly descended into madness, forcing France into a regency dominated by his uncles and brother. A conflict over control over the regency began between his uncle Philip the Bold, the Duke of Burgundy, and his brother Louis of Valois, Duke of Orleans. After Philip's death, his son and heir, John the Fearless, continued the struggle against Louis, but with the disadvantage of having no close relation to the king. In 1418, Paris was taken by the Burgundians, who were unable to stop the massacre of the Count of Almanac and his followers by a Parisian crowd, with an estimated death toll between 1,000 and 5,000 people. Henry IV died in 1413 and was replaced by his eldest son, Henry V, in England. The mental illness of Charles VI of France allowed his power to be exercised by royal princes whose rivalries caused deep divisions within France. In 1414, while Henry held court at Leicester, he received ambassadors from Burgundy. Henry accredited envoys to the French king to make clear his territorial claims in France. He also demanded the hand of Charles VI's youngest daughter, Catherine of Valois. The French, of course, rejected these demands, leading Henry to prepare for war. In August 1415, Henry V sailed from England with a force of about 10,000 men and laid siege to Halfour. The city resisted for longer than expected, but finally surrendered on the 22nd of September. Because of the unexpected delay, most of the campaign season was gone. Rather than march on to Paris directly, Henry elected to make a raiding expedition across France towards English-occupied Calais. In a campaign rather similar to Cressy, he found himself outmaneuvered and low on supplies and had to fight a much larger French army at the Battle of Agincourt, north of the Somme. Despite the problems of having a smaller force, his victory was near total. The French defeat was catastrophic, costing the lives of many of the uh, French Armagnac leaders. About 40% of the French nobility were actually killed. Henry was apparently concerned that the large number of prisoners taken was security risk and therefore he had them killed. Henry retook much of Normandy, including Caen in 1417 and Rune on the 19th of January 1419, turning Normandy English for the first time in two centuries. A formal alliance was made with Burgundy, which had taken Paris after the assassination of, the, of Duke John the Fearless in 1419. In 1420, Henry met with King Charles VI, they signed the Treaty of Tories, by which Henry finally married Charles's daughter, Catherine of Valois, and Henry's heirs would inherit the throne of France. The Dauphin, Charles VII, was declared illegitimate. 
Henry formally entered Paris later that year and the agreement was ratified by the Estates General. Henry suffered some reversals in fortune but otherwise marched through some of French cities and took them and held them. By the end of May, Henry was joined by the Queen and together with the French court they went to rest at a town called Saint-Nice. While there, it became apparent that Henry was ill, possibly with dysentery. And when he set out to the upper Loire, he diverted to the royal castle near Paris, where he died on the 31st of August. The elderly and insane Charles VI of France died two months later on the 21st of October. Henry left an only child, his nine-month-old son, also known as Henry, to become Henry VI of England. On his deathbed, as Henry VI was only an infant, Henry V had given the Duke of Bedford responsibility for the English in France. The war in France continued under Bedford's generalship and several battles were won, including destroying the Scottish army again and the Dauphin's field army. The appearance of Joan of Arc at the Siege of Orleans sparked revival of French spirit and the tide began to turn against the English. The English laid siege to Orleans in 1428, but their force was insufficient to fully invest in the city. In 1429, Joan persuaded the Dauphin to send her to the siege, saying she had received visions from God telling her to drive out the English. Inspired by Joan, the French took several English strongholds the English retreated from the lower valley, persuaded by, pursued by a French army. Near the village of Pate, French cavalry broke through a, through a unit of English longbowmen that had been sent to block the road and then swept through the retreating English army. The English lost 2,000 plus men and the commander, John Talbot, the first Earl of Shrewsbury, was taken prisoner. This victory opened the way for the Dauphin to march to Reims for his coronation as Charles VII in July 1429. Henry VI, on the other hand, in England, was crowned King of England at Westminster Abbey on the 5th of November 1429, and as King of France at Notre Dame in Paris on the 16th of December 1431. So you can see the competing kings of France, one English, one French. Joan of Arc was captured by the Burgundians at the Siege of Compiègne on the 23rd of May 1430. The Burgundians offered her for ransom to the Dauphin, who refused the offer. The Burgundians then transferred her to the English, who organized a trial headed by Perrier Cachon, the Bishop of Bouvailles, and member of the English Council. Joan was convicted and burnt at the stake on the 30th of May, 1431. After the death of Joan of Arc, the fortunes of the war, of the war turned dramatically against the English. Most of Henry's royal advisers were against making peace. Among the factions, the Duke of Bedford wanted to defend Normandy, the Duke of Gloucester was committed to just Calais, whereas Cardinal Beaufort was inclined to peace. All negotiations stalled. By 1449, the French had retaken Rhone. In 1450, the Count of Clermont and Arthur D. Richmond, Earl of Richmond, of the Montfort family and the future Arthur III, Duke of Brittany, caught an English army attempting to relieve Cain and defeated it at the Battle of Formingi in 1450. Richmond's force attacked the English army from the flank and rear just as they were on the verge of beating Clermont's army. Apologies again for the French town pronunciations. After Charles VII's successful Normandy campaign in 1450, he concentrated his efforts on Gascony, the last province held by the English. 
Bordeaux, Gascony's capital, was besieged and surrendered to the French on 30th of June 1451, largely due to the English sympathies for the Gascon people. This was reversed when John Talbot and his army retook the city on the 23rd of October 1452. However, the English were decisively defeated again at the Battle of Castilian on the 17th of July 1453. Although the Battle of Castilian was considered the last battle of the Hundred Years' War, England and France remained formally at war for another 20 years, but the English were in no position to carry on the war as they faced unrest at home, i.e. a civil war. Bordeaux fell to the French on the 19th of October, and there were no more hostilities afterwards. Following defeat in the Hundred Years' War, English landowners complained a lot about the financial losses resulting from the loss of their continental holdings. This is often considered a major cause of the Wars of the Roses that started in 1455, which was a major civil war in England. The Hundred Years' War almost resumed again in 1474, when the Duke Charles of Burgundy, counting on some kind of English support, took up arms against Louis XI of France. Louis managed to isolate the Burgundians by buying Edward IV of England off with a large cash sum and an annual pension in the Treaty of Piquigny. The Treaty of Piquigny formally ended the Hundred Years' War in 1475, with Edward renouncing his claim to the throne of France. However, future kings of England and later of Great Britain continued to make that claim to the throne of France until the year 1803. Keep in mind, though, that during the Hundred Years' War, no one really knew they were in a Hundred Years' War. It was just a series of battles over many, many years. Nor did they know when it specifically ended. That monk here, called the Hundred Years' War, came many, many years later. People were just happy to beat each other to pulp, fight each other, English versus French. The main outcome was for the French to kick the English out of France once and for all, and England descending into civil war at the end called the War of the Roses. Thank you again for listening to the Alternative History Podcast. Please like, subscribe and follow on your podcast platform of choice. Thank you so very much.